Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Thanks for joining us today. I'm thrilled you're making Open Your Eyes a part of your inspiration time each week. And like many of you, I'm an avid podcast listener. And so is over one-third of the population of North America. A recent survey showed that one-third of us regularly listen to podcasts. Well, this podcast is intended to help you and me see things, ourselves, our life, our circumstances, in a new light. You know, a wise man once said, you can't change something about yourself until you're object to, not subject to, that thing. It means that until we can step back and see our behavior or circumstances like a camera, like a third party, and be separate from our entanglement in that thing, our subjectivity, we won't be able to change. So this podcast is designed to help us all see ourselves in a new light, in a new way. And if we do, hopefully that will empower us to live and think better. So today, when you're done listening, Copy the link and send it to someone who needs a little encouragement in their life. A few words and a new perspective can make a big difference for them. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about how you start is not how you'll finish. Now, if you've ever driven from Kansas City to New Orleans, you likely drove on Highway 49 and passed through Rogers, Arkansas. It was there in 1918 that Samuel Moore was born. His parents were farmers, but his father Thomas later went into farm mortgaging, and eventually the family moved to Columbia, Missouri. As a young boy, Samuel delivered newspapers and did odd jobs to earn money. And after high school, he attended the University of Missouri, where he graduated in economics and joined the J.C. Penney Company as a management trainee earning $75 a month. Soon, however, World War II came along and Sam became a captain serving at Fort Douglas. Well, after the military, Sam used his savings to buy a Ben Franklin variety store. And one event after another led Sam to opening several variety stores, and soon he was prospering in the industry. Now, he noticed that a local mom-and-pop store was inefficient, and bought inventory at high prices because they were so small. So Sam decided on a strategy to launch his own brand, and on July 2nd, 1962, Samuel Moore Walton opened his first true Walmart Discount City store in Rogers, Arkansas. Now, when Sam Walton passed away of cancer in 1992, his Walmart empire consisted of 1,700 stores, 200 Sam's Club stores, and 13 Walmart supercenters, in total selling over $50 billion a year. And last year, Walmart had over $572 billion in sales. This compares to Amazon at $470 billion, Target at $106 billion, and Kroger at $137 billion. In 2021, Sam Walton's children, Jim, Alice, and Rob, all were ranked among the wealthiest Americans, each worth about $70 billion. In fact, Rob Walton and his family just bought the Denver Broncos for a measly $4.65 billion, only a fraction of their overall net worth. 
In short, Walmart has become a global retail powerhouse owning brands and distribution all over the world. But how Walmart started is not how Walmart is finishing or growing and evolving in the marketplace today. You see, when Sam started Walmart, he had a simple strategy. Now, that strategy was the single most important factor in driving Walmart's growth and success. What do you think it was? Was it the branding? Was it the store design? Was it their method of operation? No, it was none of those. It was the choice of markets of where their stores were located. You see, early on, Walmart built stores not in large city markets, but rather in rural markets, because in rural markets, Sam was competing against mom and pop, independent retailers, who suffered from the lack of volume or economies of scale, so they charged higher prices. And Sam could open a Walmart in town, and because he only had one competitor who had higher prices, Sam could combine the volume of all his stores to buy at lower prices and undercut the local independent. And as a result, Walmart grew in places like Rogers, Arkansas, and Sykeston, Missouri, and Claremore, Oklahoma. And soon, Walmart was monopolizing the rural markets throughout the United States. Now, they had other advantages as well. In rural markets, you see, there was no advertising needed because everyone knew when a new store was built. So Sam and Walmart had very little advertising expenses. And labor was cheaper in rural areas, so he had lower labor costs. And property and rent were less expensive. And a host of other such cost savings allowed Walmart to operate at a much lower cost than its competitors. So you can see the lower costs, the strategy, were all driven by location. Now, later on, Walmart expanded into larger cities. But by this time, Walmart was so large that few, if any, retailers could operate at costs as low as Walmart. In fact, through 2010, Walmart had grown every year, sometimes by double digits. But all of that ended in 2010. And from 2010 to 2015, Walmart didn't grow in North America. Why was that? What happened? Well, the market changed. Between 2010 and 2015, Amazon grew many times over. In 2010, Amazon had 30,000 employees and $34 billion in sales. By 2015, Amazon had 180,000 employees and $107 billion in sales. Amazon was changing the way America shopped, and Walmart was stuck in the wake of the Amazon speedboat powering through average households and changing shopping habits. So, if you were the CEO of Walmart in 2015, what would you do? Your store network and the location of your stores had always been your strength. But now, here comes a competitor who doesn't care about location and is offering merchandise at similar or better prices. The way things used to work aren't working so well anymore. Now, while not to the scale of Walmart, your business, your life, your way of doing things is similar in many ways. Often in life, the things you did to be successful only last up to a certain point, and you have to shift from the way things used to work to the way things must work in the future. And what got you here is not going to get you where you need to go. How you started 
is not how you will finish. And here's the truth. The market changes. Interest rates move. Social causes evolve. Our children and what is popular changes. And so does our family dynamics. And your business and how you find customers and operate and communicate changes. And change, the need to grow and adapt, is forced on each of us if we want to prosper and grow. And for many of us, the type of reinvention and work required to shift midstream can seem overwhelming. We get stuck whining and wishing and wondering why things have to change. Why can't I just do things the way I used to do them? Why does it have to be so hard? And for many of you building a business right now, you're experiencing this very thing. Your way of attracting customers isn't as effective as it used to be because COVID and other things have turned consumer behavior on its ear. And you're left wondering if you should stick with your way of operating or shift to new ways of operating. Many of you are parents and your wonderful 11-year-old who was interested in doing things with you all the time is now 14 and more interested in friends. And you seem to have less of a connection. Well, if this is you, and the changing world has upended your start to a great life, then take a lesson from Walmart. Now, let me know, you may or may not be a Walmart fan, but you don't have to like them to learn from them. Because Walmart didn't sit back and let Amazon take it to them. They decided that how they started is not how they would move forward. And what they learned along the way is a great roadmap for you and me in our business and life. And by the way, as a result of what Walmart did, they are the largest company in the world in terms of revenue. Walmart is larger than China National Petroleum, Amazon, Apple, Toyota, and all the other companies in the world. So listen up, because what they did and are doing works. First, and this is critically important, Walmart didn't immediately land on the right strategy. It took a number of iterations, some failures, and close but not quite attempts to get them where they needed to be, and they learned from those attempts. And the same goes for you. In your business, when the market moves or circumstances change, rarely does the first move you try work out to be the exact right next move. Even corporations like Walmart, who have hundreds of some of the best analysts in the world on staff, don't get it right all at once. For example, in 2016, online sales in North America represented 11.7% of all sales, of total retail sales. And the forecast was that online sales would grow from $390 billion to $1 trillion by 2026. And Amazon was well-positioned to capture the bulk of that increase in sales. And in that year, Amazon did $60 billion in sales, and Walmart's digital sales were only $13 billion. And according to Internet Retailer, the problem for Walmart was that Amazon.com drove 65% of e-commerce growth in the prior year. What did Walmart do? They purchased Jet.com for $3.3 billion. Now, Jet.com was an online discount retailer who was about a year old. And the CEO of Walmart put the CEO of Jet.com in charge of Walmart's U.S. e-commerce business. And the hope was Walmart would combine its vast distribution network with Jet.com online selling mechanisms 
and compete with Amazon. Did it work? Well, last year, Walmart announced they were closing Jet.com. The CEO said that in the year since Walmart bought it, Jet.com's leadership and ways of thinking jump-started their digital efforts and led them to other answers that grew their business. Walmart had also bought menswear company Bonobos and mattress brand Allswell. And the related innovations that came along from these acquisitions helped Walmart grow its curbside pickup and home delivery business, including express delivery, new store-to-door service, and the related innovations that came along from these acquisitions helped Walmart discover what it needed to do. As a result, in 2021, Walmart grew its online business by 75%. So, the purchase of Jet.com led to other innovations, which led to other innovations, which are now helping Walmart keep pace with Amazon. Now, the same goes for us. You see, when some people realize that what got them here will not get them there, they analyze and wait and hope for the right solution. But like Walmart, my experience is that you need to make the very best decision you can and move forward, keeping your options open to modify and adapt. For example, you may have been a great parent of seven and eight-year-olds, but that doesn't mean you're a good parent of 17 and 18-year-olds. So as your kids enter teenage years, what do you do? You get started. You get learning what works and what doesn't work. I remember when our kids were older teenagers. A neighbor shared this thought, that the best time to talk to them is when they get home at night. Well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to stay up until midnight and then talk for an additional hour. Why couldn't my kids talk to me on my schedule? But I learned that what got me here wasn't going to get me there. So, lesson number one is get started. Start trying a new approach. Get your online profile set up and start reaching out in new ways. And it will lead you to the next thing, which leads to the next right thing. Okay, moving on. It's likely if the market or circumstances in your life have moved on you, that others around you are experiencing the same thing. Now, the best leaders, the best business leaders are first-class noticers. They notice what is working. They pay attention. They ask questions. And they're not afraid to duplicate something that someone else is doing. You know, Walmart has some incredible challenges coming at them from Amazon. Right now, Amazon gets $11.9 billion a year from Prime membership fees. And Amazon Prime members pay $119 per year. And the value proposition of Prime is that you not only get free shipping, but also video and music streaming and a host of other benefits. It's likely that many of you are Prime members. Well, what did Walmart do to incent customers to shop at their online store? In July 2020, they introduced Walmart Plus. And they priced it at $98 a year. And just like Amazon Prime, you get free shipping and early access to deals. But unlike Amazon, you get fuel discounts at Walmart gas stations, free delivery from your store, scan-and-go service at Walmart stores, and other benefits. And what has been the response? Well, last year, Walmart e-commerce sales grew by 38%. Here's my point. Don't be afraid to do what others do, but do it better. This is a great mindset to be in when you have to reinvent yourself. Do what others do, but better. So if you're building a business right now, 
do what others do, but better. About 20 years ago, when Markel Taylor was convicted of murder, he was sent to San Quentin Prison. At the time, he was mentally damaged, incapable of managing his own emotions, and generally lost as a human being. He'd made horrible mistakes and now was suffering extreme consequences. And typically, most men in his situation would languish in prison. Everything he had done in his life up to that point had been a disaster, and many people felt he should never be eligible for parole. Well, seven years into his time at San Quentin, his bunkmate took his own life after being denied parole, and Markel could see he was on the same path. And he realized everything he had done in his life to that point had led him to the same place as his friend. He knew he had to change, so he started attending Bible group at the prison. One day at Bible group, a member of the group suggested that Markel should try physical activity to boost his emotions and give him some personal strength and clear his troubled mind. So he joined the 1,000 Mile Club. Now, the 1,000 Mile Club was led by an outside running group that volunteered at the prison to help inmates find a greater level of self-discipline, control, and peace through running and consistent exercise. So he joined other inmates and started running in the prison on the makeshift quarter-mile track. As he did this, something inside Taylor stirred. Perhaps it was the memory of his days on the San Mateo High School track team. And it was then that he decided not just to run like the others, but do it better. So he started training in earnest. He studied and learned all he could about running. He applied what he learned. He watched other runners and copied their stride and running schedule and improved himself. And soon he was running 105 nonstop loops around the prison track, which amounted to 26.2 miles a marathon. And by the time he was 46, he had run four prison marathons, and his last marathon was fast enough to qualify for the Boston Marathon. But along the way, he decided to do what others did, but better in other areas of his life. He regularly read the Bible. He held a steady job in prison. He got his mind clear. He examined his life and his mistakes up close and improved his level of education. And when he was paroled, it was six weeks before the Boston Marathon. Well, he got permission to travel to Boston and ran a two-hour and 45-minute marathon. And since, he has run other marathons. He works at the grocery store near his home. He says, I pray to Jehovah every day. I'm following God's principles the best I can. God gave me the ability to run, and I can talk to him through my running. They go hand in hand. Markel, in order to change and finish his life better than it started, started to do what others did. He ran, but he did it better. And he took the self-discipline running gave him and put it to use in other areas of his life. He ran better with more commitment than others as well. He ran better. And now his line of running gear is sold under the brand name Run Free. Now, you and I can do the same. We can run, work, lead, serve like others, but we can do it better. Don't be afraid, like Markel, to follow the advice of others to get you running. Then once you're running and doing and working, do it better. Now, if you're leading a team, no doubt your experience is like mine, that over time, if you lead in the same way, 
your leadership influence begins to wane. This often isn't because you're not worth following. It's because familiarity and repetition breeds contentment. And we all get used to things, including leaders. So one thing you can do is be a first-class noticer. See what other leaders do to influence better. Then do what they do and do that better. For example, you may need to change up your routine and do a few things you don't want to do that other leaders do. That may include early morning team meetings or traveling more or creating a method of team accountability that includes you being fully accountable for your activities. Then after you get started, do those activities better. Be fully accountable. Embrace early mornings or whatever else you need and watch what got you here will not be what gets you there. You will move forward in new, extraordinary ways. Now, this leads me to my next point. The pivot required in our life to face new circumstances often doesn't involve doing new things. It requires we do old things with excellence. For years, I've taught a strategy management course at a leading business school, and I do a lot of strategic management in my line of work. And when teams start working on developing a strategy, they often only focus on what new things or different things could help them move to the next level. They rarely look to excellence. And I often tell them, excellence is a strategy. Excellence is a strategy, a strategy to win, to reach goals, and prosper in life. Excellence is doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. So many big things in life have been achieved by doing the small things with excellence. And choosing to do a small thing with excellence can change the trajectory of your life. And this is something our kids nowadays know very little of. The effort required for excellence is often too much for those who think the attempt itself should be rewarded. To attempt is admirable, but to persevere with excellence is what is necessary to reach success. You know, too often when we're building a business, we do the same old activity in the same old way and expect brand new results. But in science and business, there's a term called the law of diminishing marginal utility. <laughs> I know that's long, but this law states that all else equal, each time you repeat the same thing, the marginal utility derived from each attempt declines. That means each time you repeat an activity, you get slightly less effect from it. And that's why activities need to be refreshed, improved, and maximized. And that's what the pursuit of excellence does. And here's the thing. Most people don't realize that by improving slightly, you can find huge results. Here's a simple example. Not long ago, a large research firm calculated the differences between pro golfers on the PGA Tour and scratch golfers. Now, a scratch golfer is one who essentially can hit the course at par on average throughout 18 holes. A scratch golfer is a good golfer, and there are many scratch golfers in the world. So here's a few interesting stats. A pro golfer on average hits their drives 288 yards. A scratch golfer, 255, only 33 yards less. A pro golfer on average hits out of the sand bunkers one time per round. A scratch golfer is just a bit worse at 1.1. A pro golfer has an average putting distance of 7 feet 
and a scratch golfer is just a bit further away at 8.1 feet. And as you travel through each statistic, the difference between a pro and scratch golfer isn't very big. Yet, a pro golfer is consistently better in every facet of the game, and as a result, they are a pro. Likewise, when you take excellence in every part of your business or leadership or parenting and seek to be marginally better in each facet, you do things and get results that few other people get. My point is that the pursuit of excellence matters. So again, if things have changed for you of late, sit down, identify the facets of your business or leadership or parenting and determine what you can do to become more excellent in that thing. Now, in leading teams, there are several ways to pursue excellence. Perhaps each day you could seek out several team members to encourage and recognize them. You could be sure the purpose of your team is clear and shared. You could implement processes or procedures to increase personal accountability of your team. You could become a better communicator. You could get more organized and so forth. You see, excellence is a strategy for getting where you want to go. Now, on to the last lesson of how to pivot and respond to the changing circumstances of your business. Approximately 41 miles off the coast of Louisiana, 5,000 feet below the surface of the water on the seabed deep in the valley of the continental shelf of the Gulf of Mexico, lies the opening of an oil well owned by British Petroleum. Now, unlike some oil wells in the Gulf, this well extends down into the earth from the bottom of the ocean floor an additional 18,000 feet through the rock below the ocean. For perspective, 18,000 feet is 3.4 miles. That's a long way to drill. A well like this one is dug by drilling a hole up to one meter in diameter into the earth with a drill string bit attached. And the drill string has fluid and other necessary elements to keep the drill moving. And after the hole is drilled, sections of steel pipe are placed in the hole to case the hole to keep it from caving in. And after digging the hole, a flow path is made and a control mechanism or cap is placed atop the well. Well, after digging their well, British Petroleum and their contractor Halliburton installed a concrete core to seal the well for future use, a cap. However, the cement used, its formula and its strength were not adequate to hold the pressure of the pipe. And additionally, the pipe deep in the water on the ocean floor was filled with the same cement, which was flawed. And not long after capping the well, a surge of natural gas shot up through the pipe, hit the faulty cement, and broke through. Once the cement caps failed, additional valves, separators, alarms, and other fail-safes didn't work as designed. The last fail-safe consisted of final safety valves in the blowout preventer. But when the operators attempted to shut the valves, the battery that powered the switch was dead and the switch was not working. The result? As the gas pressure hit the ocean surface, the platform exploded, killing 11 workers and injuring dozens more. Now, the oil, miles under the seabed, had an unimpeded path to the surface. And the volume of oil escaping from the damaged well was 2.5 million gallons a day. Now, efforts 
to seal the oil leak failed. And the spill continued for days and weeks. And before all was said and done, 210 billion gallons of oil leaked into the ocean, doing great harm to the surrounding area. And the most interesting fact of the Deepwater Horizon tragedy is this. Two years earlier in 2008, a similar well with the same faulty cement failed. And that well was owned and operated by British Petroleum, the same company. Why didn't they learn from their prior mistake? Well, this leads to the next point of responding to changes and circumstances. Don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And the funny thing is that we are likely to repeat the mistakes of the past unless we write them down, think about, and formulate a plan to avoid them. British Petroleum could have avoided billions in losses if they'd have just written down the causes of the 2008 spill and the weaknesses in the concrete and proactively made sure that that mistake never happened again. Likewise, when we speak about what got us here is not getting us where we need to go, that includes not making the mistakes that we made in getting here. So, take a look at your business. One of the mistakes you could have made is not remembering the general rule of good sales, and that is over 80% of sales are made after the fifth attempt. You see, too often we give up because we get cautious or we don't want to bother or we just don't take time to follow up five times. As a result, customers who would have said yes after the fifth attempt don't ever get a chance to do so. And that's a mistake of the past that you could not repeat. So get an organized tracking system and schedule periodic follow-up. One of the mistakes of parenting is not having regular chores for kids and not doing those chores with your kids. I mean, let's face it. It's harder to get your son to clean the garage than to do it yourself. I mean, I get it. But teaching kids to work is perhaps one of the most important skills you can pass on to them. And I'm not talking about homework as work. So create a schedule, work alongside them, and establish within their character the ability to work hard and help them discover the joy of accomplishment when they do. Not teaching our children to work is a mistake we all make as parents, but if we pivoted now, we could make a huge difference in their lives moving forward. So, be deliberate and purposeful about not repeating the mistakes of the past. And remember, it is not a mistake to make a mistake. It is a mistake to repeat the mistake. And because mistakes were meant for learning doesn't mean they're meant for repeating. Now, one of the most important lessons to take away from this podcast today is the realization that what got you here may not get you where you want to go. So spend some time soon thinking about this principle and getting purposeful about what you are going to do to move you and your business and team and family to the next level. Remember, when the market moves, like Walmart, take action. It may not be the exact right thing at first, but it will lead to the right thing. Next, remember the best leaders are first-class noticers. They notice what is working. They pay attention. They ask questions. And they aren't afraid to duplicate something someone else is doing. Then duplicate it and do it better. Remember, excellence is a remarkable strategy for getting where you need to go. Do the basics extraordinarily well, 
and it can change the trajectory of your business and life. And also remember to put in place the procedures and other necessary elements to avoid repeating the mistakes of the past. And watch. You will reinvent your business, yourself, your leadership to take you to the next level. And most of all, thanks for being here today. And join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.